0: Welcome to Season 8 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Passionate about leadership education? You want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Welcome to the leadership educator podcast i'm dan jenkins professor of leadership and organizational studies at the university of southern maine
1: and i'm lauren bullock assistant professor of instruction at temple university and i'm excited today about this episode um, so if you listen to a few of our past episodes you may have noticed that there's a pattern of ndsl issues new directions for student leadership so when those issues come out, we usually do a special episode with the co-editors. Um, we started this practice. We, I think Dan, we were unknowingly doing it, and then we um, <laughs> Dr. Susan Comavez and Kathy Guthrie said, "Hey, can you more formally do this?" And we said, "Oh, twist our arm." Oh, <laughs> but we already, I think, kind of had this in our uh, practice because we value the the resource so much. Um, they engaged us in early 2021. I think our first episode was followership. Uh, you can go back in our archives and see all of those episodes. Today is actually kind of pseudo-special in that it's the ninth issue. So it's the ninth issue of NDSL. We've we've recorded um an episode on, but it's technically the 10th episode. So, you know, we'll congratulate our, our guest today shortly. Um, we did a two-parter for issue number 172, which was teaching in complex. Uh, transitions as there were five co-editors for that one. Usually we try to kind of keep it at two. But anyway, um, all of those episodes are available in our archives and we encourage you all to listen to today's, but also go back and dig into those other ones.
0: Yep. And so today's episode features NDSL's co-editors, Dr. Lindsay Hastings, a Clifton professor of mentoring research at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and Dr. David Rush, Associate Professor of Agricultural Leadership at the University of Illinois. They recently edited issue number 175, released in the fall of 2022, titled Research and Assessment Methods for Leadership Development and Practice. Lindsay and Dave, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for Glad having me Glad to be us. here.
0: Awesome. So we're super excited to have you both on, and little secret, you, you all have both been on our like short list of like we want to have them on either you know together or separately or you know at some point and so this opportunity presented itself to have you both we're getting a twofer um, but don't be surprised if uh, we invite uh, one or both of y'all to come on uh, again in the future uh, because of some of the expertise that that y'all have in in the field but definitely excited to chat with y'all today and one of the things we love to do on the show is so is to take a quick trip down memory lane Lauren and I were chatting off uh, Mike just before this and Dave. I, so I'm like, I feel like we must have met at an ALE conference like way back or an ILA, but like 2010, 11, like 12 at the latest. Um, I,
2: I, I think it was 2011. We were in okay. Key West. For oh, uh, the Association 20... of Leadership okay. Educators, that, on was, the that boat. was the first. Yeah, that was the first okay. ALE Association of Leadership Educators conference that I ever attended, and yes, and we were literally on a boat, yeah, on a little bit of a sunset cruise, okay. and I got introduced to you, I, I, I think by Scott Allen. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. It, yeah, and Eric Bushland.
0: I think we all met. <laughs> yes, kind of, okay. Yes. So that was 2012. <laughs> I remember because I, I was the I, it was the last conference I went to bef- before I moved to Maine. So yeah, yeah, okay, that's so funny. Yeah, that was. Uh, They 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 charted those what do you call them catamarans? Oh, I don't
2: know. Whatever the to do the
0: the sunset cruise at the uh, um out there on whatever that big park is at the at the end of Key West where everybody goes out and looks at the sunset. So. but that was "quote unquote" the the ALE booze cruise at the Key West conference.
2: <laughs> <laughs> quote, "Quote unquote." Right. <laughs> so
0: I'm
1: attending the wrong ALE. Yeah, because... yeah, that was that was a fun one. That was a fun one. So, I've been trying um, to rent a tiny house in Key West for years, and here I just got to wait till the next iteration of ALE Key West comes around. Yeah, just
2: come to the conference, Lauren. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that was a fun one, and then we've I, I've been lucky to know you since then. So uh, yeah, we've written yeah. a couple things together and presented together. And and probably got to know you best uh, as one of the original LEA facilitators, and and just being being a part of that together. And then and then Lindsay, I was trying to track. I, it must have been an ALE too, but I'm trying to think of the time frame. I feel like I've always known you.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, although I I can't say I've been on a sunset cruise with you, Dan. Although I feel like if I did, I should apologize to your wife immediately. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, And so, but, but I remember one of the things we were talking about our most recent season was all on mentoring and leadership education. And I want to say we share a mentee. I was introduced, um, I think by you to, to Hannah Sunderman and then she was like formally became like a. We were assigned together during that emerging scholars research consortium and i remember you going so uh she's she's a bright one dan i hope you're ready for this and then uh you know i saw her research poster um at the ila conference i can't remember if that was 2018 or 2019 i was like wow the brains on 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 this on this young on this uh doc student oh my goodness uh now she's over at virginia tech as an assistant professor definitely gonna speak to her soon on the podcast and And then just doing work in ALE together. Right. So
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she was so excited to have you as her mentor. In fact, I think she ran up behind me and jumped on my back and said, Guess who's my mentor this
0: year? (laughs) well it's been it's been a reciprocal learning relationship was one of the things we learned about from some of our guests over the the season was that that mentor mentee relationship can definitely be reciprocal and I've definitely learned a lot from from Hannah as well from her expertise so all right well thank you for walking down memory lane with me Uh, I don't know what year it was Lindsay that we originally um cross paths but it must have been an ALE at some point 2016 15 something like that but always been impressed with with your work and and also the the quantitative mind that you bring to to leadership education too so your grad students are like luck, lucky to have you for sure there at, at unl all right so dave and lindsay what are like two or three things someone might not find in your bio
2: that's a good question you're like a, like the if somebody googles us that's going to take us to our university uh, right, probably right. Account, like our that the pages like our faculty pages yeah
3: well, I mean, Dave, if someone Googles you, I mean, have you scrubbed your Facebook account of, you know, any college party days we should know about?
2: <laughs> I love you Yeah. Not that we'll show up too. in Google. Yeah. <laughs> I love you too. Just put it out there. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Most people
1: are, my cat's name, Susie and <laughs> I know how to knit. And right, he's right. like, scrub your Facebook. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, Dave, something that's not on your bio that gets brought up a lot that everyone enjoys is the pronunciation of your last name. Because I can remember Scott Allen throwing a pencil across the room at an ALE when he realized that your last name is pronounced Rush, not Roche.
2: Not Roche. Yeah, I, I get a lot of Roches sometimes for people who have never met me. But yeah, yeah, the United States, the the German heritage, it's Rush. That's probably, yeah, That's a, that's a good one. That's probably one thing. Uh, yeah, so that's one. Let's see, a couple couple others that might come to mind. Uh, uh, for most of my youth, I wanted to be the center fielder for the New York Yankees. That was my career goal. Uh, did no professional preparation for that uh, beyond high school, and I'm very glad to land where I am now. Uh, maybe one other quick thing. Uh, I learned how to read palms when I was in college, uh, and that's like my party trick if I'm hanging out in social settings where we're all sitting around. Uh, I'll read your palm for you.
0: So what is it like the, I actually got a, went to a class on this once. It's like a, maybe it was like in a boy scout training or something. I don't know where it was, but isn't there like a lifeline? And then there's a, there's another and then where they merge is like a big deal. And then there's. In the interest of
1: time.
2: maybe we
0: can
2: <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll right. put it in the show notes. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they're, they're, All right. Right.
0: And Lindsay and Lindsay.
3: Well, bit, I mean, hold on, Dan, you learned this at Scouts. I think I, mean, I, I did.
0: Just, I, think <laughs> I think I did.
3: I didn't realize the Scouts curriculum was expanded to include palm reading.
0: There must have been a palm reading merit badge. I don't know. I bet it was right after that. the Pinewood Derby. Yes, 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 <laughs> it was after the Pinewood
3: Well, let's see. Uh, what many people don't know about me is that uh, I raised quarter horses um, along with my parents. So uh, we live out in the country uh, in, in Nebraska, and we've got three- quarter horse mares on our place that are uh, part of our uh, breeding program.
1: That is really, really interesting. Knowing how much work it takes it to go into horses. My son is trying to get me to buy an elephant and (laughs) right. And so we just moved to the rural part of our state. There's plenty of land and he's really convinced. And I'm like, well, dear, no, like I'm, I don't even have a jazzy anything, but horses. He probably could talk me into horses too. There's plenty of land out there. That's really interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so the so- hard part is you have to clean up after them, which I'm sure would be the case with elephants as well. So, you know, that might be the one downside.
1: Yeah. And elephants are smart too. So I don't want them knocking on the door. Like I don't want any of that. Um, I can envision all of that. Um, and was that your two or did you have another one for us? I do love to bake pie. That is my thing. So
3: holidays, that's what the family asked for in particular, coconut crepe.
1: We got to take the show on the road because we could definitely help uh, test those pies out for you. All right. So okay. let's jump into a little bit of why we're here today. So y'all wrote this on a research and assessment methods for leadership development and practice. And so the first question, like we were thinking about is how did this topic come up? We know that research is one of those topics that's always discussed at conferences. We have the research agenda. We have some of our elder states folks, you know, looking back now that they're kind of towards the end of their career, wondering kind of what's the next wave or iteration of research to help push the practice forward. Um, How did y'all get to started on this issue?
3: Well, I, Dave, I'll start and then you jump in. Dave and I definitely could see and feel a balanced tension in the field of leadership education in both research and practice, right? In that leadership educators often find themselves standing in the nexus of research and practice and are asked to be equally proficient in conducting rigorous scholarly inquiry, Um, as well as managing robust outcomes assessment you know and and we joked i mean this is like asking leadership educators to be unicorn humans right so uh, we saw and felt this tension in the field and wanted to provide some user-friendly professional development for effectively navigating this balance Uh, you know and while we're not sure uh, forty thousand words turns a leadership educator into a unicorn uh, our hope was that it at least was a step in the right direction
2: yeah, I, I sometimes think about the the topic of research and assess research and assessment in leadership education is sort of like flossing your teeth in a lot of different ways. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone loves to floss their teeth every day, which is why everyone flosses their teeth every day. But related to our particular issue, uh, you might not know this, but if you are a dentist or an orthodontist, you you know that. There is surprisingly little data that supports empirically why flossing your teeth is a good idea. We all know it's a good idea. We tell each other it's a good idea. Our dentist says you should floss. uh, But there was there were some studies that came out or stories that came out about the lack of studies of flossing your teeth a few years ago. Uh, The American Medical Association, the American Dental Association said, we need more studies. We know this is a good idea, but we need to understand this process better. It's the same way with leadership research in the educational process. We know that students who go to classes learn more. We know that students who attend retreats say, this was a transformational experience for me. What we don't understand is how, we don't understand why, but we think we do, the same way we floss our teeth. Uh, And my bet uh, is that when all of these episodes are stacked together, uh, I'm sure this next episode that we're on, people are going to click right on. Oh, I want to hear all about research and assessment. That might not be the case. Uh, and our job in this in this uh, this issue for for new directions in student leadership was to make research and assessment as accessible as interesting, uh, and, and and really as sticky as as we could in our the the forty thousand words that we had.
1: Yeah, they got they got the right pair to do that for sure by <laughs> by far got the right pair to do that. Can you explain a little bit on, on what are you trying to measure? So you're right, we know leadership is important. We know the value, we hear the feedback from students after they leave, you know, these meaningful experiences. But what specifically were y'all looking at measuring? And, 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 and how are, I, I guess, in that evolution of the leadership facilitator into the leadership researcher, like, how are y'all looking to start to track this for us, those of us who are not co-editors or, or contributors to this?
3: I think part of it is measuring for what purpose Uh, and that was something that we talked extensively about in this volume and looking at both research and assessment that we need to decide deliberately ahead of time what we're measuring and for what is it for outcomes assessment as in do we care about measuring something to determine whether or not we've met our learning objectives and program goals and trying to place value on that assessment data or are we trying to answer broader questions in the field, utilizing what we're doing in leadership education as a sample, as a, as a comparison to other things. So I guess the way, way I would start is to say measuring for what uh, became a, a really important part of, of this volume. Dave, what would you add?
2: Yeah, we, we were talking earlier about conferences and where we, we've kind of crossed paths at conferences. And there are these stories that we tell ourselves about the research sessions that are focused on leadership education impact. these conferences and the the stories that we often hear are i teach a class i collected some data at the beginning of the semester i collected some data at the end of the semester the data at the end of the semester looked better than the data at the beginning of the semester so therefore i know that my course was successful or alternatively we we hear these stories of the the faculty that say so i interviewed my students i did some focus groups the students talked about their transformational experiences so i therefore feel comfortable saying that my my courses are helpful uh and the 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 goal that Lindsay and I had when we started talking about this long before we even started talking about uh taking the show to New Directions and student leadership was to expand the stories we need to expand the stories and and as Lindsay was talking about we need to differentiate between I am assessing my course my retreat my experience and whether that was successful and Am I informing the broader field about the concepts that are being brought to bear in the educational process uh, theoretically? And those two things can happen at the same time, but you're kind of threading a needle if those two things, if you're trying to do both at the same time, Uh, and we were trying to speak to, A, how can you thread that needle, and B, understand that that's that's needle-sized, it's okay to do one or do the other and not both at the same time
1: feels very macro and micro, like macro trying to move and advance the field and micro thinking about those students that are in your in that that are in your classroom or your program that semester at that time and trying to to kind of juggle both at the same time.
2: Definitely, definitely. Like we 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 know that that humans are efficiency machines. We try to kill as many birds as we can. We try to do multitask. Uh multitasking is okay, but sometimes it's okay to just focus on one thing at a time
0: you know one of the things i've appreciated uh, about both of you as i've watched y'all's careers evolve in, in the field and which really makes sense to why y'all were paired together for this particular issue is this kind of kind of i guess parallel evolution of this train the trainer approach to, like better assessment and evaluation and research practices within our field right and focusing specifically On leadership education and some of the initiatives that that y'all have been a part of, you know, I think about um, the work, you know, Lindsay, that you've done with the Research Fan in uh, Focus Area Network and the Association of Leadership Educators, and the y'all put together like a leadership scholarship powwow, right, at the last ALE, and then during that was
3: that was its official name, Dan.
0: I don't think it was called a powwow, but I just wanted to use the word powwow. (laughs) Let's go with that. And so but and then and then you and Hannah who we spoke about earlier y'all did when we were in covid right there was the online conference and y'all did kind of a you did a workshop on I remember asking some really tough statistical questions because I was like trying to wrap my head around some things and y'all were like, no, this is this and that is that. And I was like, it's kind of like, can you trying to stump y'all would be, that, that would be, that would be something else. And so, but I really appreciate the the care and kind of grace that y'all have approached this, knowing that this is an area, like David said, do we want to floss? Eh, you know, is this going to be one of those episodes that like, oh, I want to want to listen and talk about research and, and assessment evaluation, but like we all have to, as faculty in particular, but also student affairs practitioners who are either asked to research and publish or you're asked to evaluate the efficiency, the efficacy, the capacity, you know, et cetera, of your leadership programs, workshops, classes, you know, whatever it is that, that you call them. And Um, Y'all are doing a lot of that work to make this accessible. And I I, I love the way that y'all seem to have curated some of the co authors and authors for these different chapters around hey, like this is accessible. Here's how to do this. Like, here's, can you talk a little bit more about that approach and like why you took that approach as opposed to just saying, like, here's how you should do leadership education research?
3: Well, this is why we were attracted to doing it as a New Directions volume, because we saw NDSL as a vehicle for this work due to its unwavering commitment to practitioner accessibility. Uh, this commitment forced us and our chapter authors to talk methods without turning into a methods textbook, right? Which is where it becomes a party foul. Uh, so we, we wanted to make sure that everyone was talking about methods in a way that was accessible.
2: And that was, that was harder than it looks. Like if you ask people who are passionate about wanting to teach people about utilizing a particular method in unlocking the process of how people develop in their capacities as a leader. It gets really easy to start walking down that path of here's you do this first and here you do the second and oh beware don't do this other thing and now all of a sudden the people whose eyes are glassed over you've lost them already. So. It became a conversation among our author team about how do we make the where's where where do we draw that murky line between helping people understand why a concept might be important methodologically, and and here's where you can learn a little bit more without getting the eyes the glass over. So like we don't use words like ethnography or uh, alpha reliabilities in a regular conversation while we're watching netflix with our families right like there is a language that needs to be learned there are things that we need to be able to do but we don't want to sp- we don't want to talk for for hours or we don't want to read for paragraphs about Kronbach alpha as we're just understanding that we need to do some better research here folks that that's what this issue is about
0: I was told there would be no math on the podcast. Uh, no math. Today.
2: There's no math here. <laughs> there's no math in the there's no math in the issue either.
0: <laughs> Thinking about that as folks that are maybe newer to the field or really want to broaden their understanding or horizons or, or what have you, or just increase their capacity to to do assessment and evaluation. We, you've got this great resource now, right? This new directions issue. W- where would you suggest leadership educators, whether they be in curricular or co-curricular spaces, like get started? If you're like, hey, here would be a good way to kind of navigate using this issue. as
2: If if someone is literally at square one and they're thinking, I like, these are new concepts. Uh, start, start square one, uh, read the issue. Uh, or read the chapters that you think are most relevant for you uh and then after that like i'm 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 thinking about like my own pathways i i found a chapter that was really relevant for me i found the people that were then authoring that chapter and then i looked at what else they wrote uh, so if they're, if they describe things to me in ways that I found helpful for me, they're probably going to be writing about these things in other spaces so what, what what else have they written about and some of the things that in Lindsay and I were really intentional about our author team, these are highly accomplished scholars they've written other things also about similar topics, uh, and I'm. I, I don't want to go too deep into detail, but literally you could probably look through the table of contents and every one of those authors has written about similar topics in other spaces, so I, I, I would start that that's probably a good place to start Lindsay what else would you say.
3: Well, I needed a second to think because i'm not sure there's a chapter that I would point to and say start here in that we we tried to encourage authors to talk about both outcomes assessment, as well as research in each chapter. To help leadership educators navigate that balance and to understand, like we talked about earlier, when you go about measuring what you're doing in leadership education, make sure you're clear on your measuring for what. Um, So each chapter really tries to help leadership educators navigate that balance. So I don't know that I could start with the chapter, but to say, you know, take in the chapter, take in each chapter at a time, but we would be remiss if we didn't say it. it'd be helpful to go through the whole volume, but go through it at a, at a pace and a manner in which makes sense to you.
1: It feels very much like it, it thinking about what you want to use research for rather than what topic you're interested in or what chapter you're interested in. Like I know for me in one of my classes, I feel like we've got a good pace and and the course is structured where I get positive feedback from students. And part of me is like, well, I wonder if I should be going in and looking through that micro lens and really getting into, but are they changing their behavior and are they thinking about and drawing upon some of the things that I've, I've outlined in the learning outcomes? I do think so anecdotally, but I don't know. So if I was looking at your book, your issue, I would go in with that lens of maybe this class and, and how I feel about it. And some of the things I've heard anecdotally, is there something that can guide me and walk me through versus this topic or this chapter, or as, as we've had in some of our other issues, it's, it's, I think that's super helpful um, to think about, um, or is there anything that surprised you maybe either in working with the author team or just something that you read that you were just surprised to learn that that was an outcome of their research and writing process?
3: I was a math major in college, so I particularly loved the chapter on longitudinal and nonlinear methods, only that for most of us, we didn't take classes on that in our doctoral program. I mean, multi-level modeling was still considered an emergent methodology when I was in my doctoral program. So I'm doing multi-level modeling via textbooks and Google. uh, So I appreciated having uh, Ron Riggio, Becky Reichard, and Jessica uh, Diaz uh, commenting on longitudinal nonlinear methods.
2: I, I feel like I'm 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 echoing uh, some of our comments earlier about just how difficult it is to not go down the rabbit hole <laughs> for <laughs> for some of these things. Like uh, I'm I'm also. Uh, I could have shared this at the beginning. Uh, outside of my bio, I'm, I'm also a runner. I know some of some of others of us on the call are also. Uh, the the ways that you start to get into running, if you're not a runner, is to go out and run. Uh, similar to the ways you start uh, learning how to floss your teeth, you can't learn how to floss your teeth from a PowerPoint slide. You need to just get out with the floss and 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 do it. Uh, the same with some of these things. Uh, if you're uh, if you're a listener right now who is not who has thought. Well, I do a couple things related to assessment, but I don't really do a whole lot. Where should I start? Uh, The process of starting is starting. Uh, Wherever you think you have the most energy to start, you have the most motivation to start, the thing you care about the most, start there. And wherever that is... You can scan through some chapters. One of these chapters at least will call to you as a good blueprint to maybe start getting your thinking arranged to do a little bit more than you were doing before. That 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 might be a way to summarize uh some like where I how I would respond to that, Lauren.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. and it, it makes me think about um there's sometimes, so when you said multi-level, I thought about hierarchical linear modeling and in gra- in my doc work, we were looking at an article and trying to break that down and it made my head hurt. But the beautiful thing was we had someone who shared some YouTube videos that made it so much easier. So between reading and watching the videos and then playing around in SPSS with some of that, it was helpful in that space to put it all together because um, you're right in your, your especially in your grad programs, you're not going to learn these specific, you're not gonna learn all of this. You're gonna get that overview and then you figure out what your area of expertise is. So so yeah, that that's pretty helpful. Anything else that come up like that you were surprised to learn about or even thinking about how you led this team? So part of the beauty of being in leadership is you get a lot of opportunities in these projects to practice what you preach. Was there something you learned about your leadership style or your approach, especially thinking about uh, all of this was happening during the fluctuation of covid and, and the pandemic? Um, anything else that comes up for you? all
2: Lindsay, I, I I don't know what what your your thoughts might be, but I mean, like the, being a, a, a an editor. Of a multi-human writing process that, to some extent, is a little hierarchical, right? Uh, pockets of people putting small building blocks together to build the larger house of the issue. That's a that's a leadership process, and there is a negotiation. I, and, and Lindsay, you might uh, you might have some thoughts about this too between the chapter authors. This is what I want to write about, Dave and Lindsay, and then Dave and Lindsay thinking. This is how your piece needs to fit together with a larger, larger piece. That's often how teams come together. Uh, and I, I think that it was surprising for me that the way sometimes that I deal with, with I mean, we're literally talking about more than a dozen humans kind of trying to come together in, a, in an integrated way, how similar that might be to the organization of a Subway sandwich shop and how everybody needs to come together for the larger picture. But uh, there's the building blocks and, and there's individual freedoms within the context of the larger organization I hadn't expected that to be as as clear as it was
3: well and I'm not sure where we were on the subway line if we were maybe the, the guacamole bringing it all together I I'm not really sure.
2: I was the person with the wet rag just keeping the <laughs> counter clean
3: <laughs> oh, that's good. so so long as we know our place Dave uh, right really but Uh, Whether we're the guac or the cleaner upper, um, I will say that that negotiation that happened around, you know, Dave and I had an idea about what we wanted from each chapter, uh, but then when the chapter authors would come back and say, well, what about this? Or we're thinking about addressing this. It was so neat to see the, the chapters get better and better and better through that negotiated process. So I found myself getting even more and more excited about a lot of these chapters to see the chapter authors take some agency in evolving the the chapter topic uh, to more things.
1: Oh, I love that that agency word because as you were describing it, I I felt like that. And I'm gonna steal y'all's example when I go back and teach my leading groups class because that's what we're trying to get them to think about. Like you're not going to they think you show up to work and everybody just does the assignment. And I'm just like, so like group presentations in college, not everybody shows up and contributes, but it's it's nice to hear about how you have these experts that are in their field that have written about this work and how you're still kind of negotiating how their voice can best contribute to. this collective um all virtually might I add because the other thing some of my students believe is like virtual is going away um and I'm like no not not so not so much so it's good to hear like just your experience with this in that you know um it came together so well and 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 thinking about how you've experienced it and navigated that for sure is pretty cool
2: lauren that you you brought up something that uh, one other additional point this 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 is going to sound like a plug but a plug about the issue when we are talking about the issue you're talking about leading uh, leading teams in the, the teams class there is a chapter uh, that we have in our issue that is specifically designed around assessing teams not assessing individuals and the idea behind assessing leadership capacity development we, like students show up in classes, students show up at retreats, students show up in, in interventions often as individuals, and we assess individuals. But if we we spend so much time in these intro experiences talking about leadership as a collective process of people coming together to achieve common goals, we need to do some work also around assessing the collective process of achieving the goals, not just looking at the individual and was the individual benefiting from that. So uh, for people who's Uh, We're thinking, oh, I never thought about that before, Dan and Lauren. Uh, (laughs) One of the chapters is specifically around how you might start that process, too.
1: I'm going to read it and then probably assign it to my class, because one (laughs) of the things that one of the things they they not complain about, but they always say, well, I it's not fair that I get assessed on my group work. And I'm just like, the class is leading groups and team building. If you can't do, how can, like, you have to learn how to do in order to do. And they push back. But I understand what they're saying. They're like, I don't have power and influence over that person. And I'm, I'm like, uh, 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 you do. You just got to figure out how do you navigate that. And I'm like, and do it while you're not all on payroll. Because if you can't figure it out and you're on payroll, you get fired. So do it while you're all out on payroll so that collectively totally. you'll go out and have a better space. So I, I look forward, I haven't gotten to that one yet, but I look forward to reading that one for sure. And hopefully awesome. assigning it all about getting the downloads. Let's just be clear, <laughs> all about getting your numbers up.
0: I love that that was one of these chapters too, because right, we we do spend so much time on the assessing the individual learning and the pretest test post and what have you, but so much group work happens and leadership, education, development, and training spaces. Are we looking at that? How, how, how underexplored is that? Um, and, I, and I don't even know if I've really thought about it at that length until right now, other than when I was looking at some of the differences between like uh, in-person versus uh, online pedagogy but this was pre-pandemic and you know the biggest difference was that when as soon as a leadership faculty member put their class online like group work was almost like non-existent right and it's like oh right because working with others doesn't matter when you're online right, um, right. And so <laughs> and the, the pandemic has definitely taught us some lessons about that. So at the very very end of this issue, I do see that you you created some space for qualitative research and mixed methods research, and I see uh, Lindsay you uh, you authored the mixed methods article. H- how did that conversation came about? Did you uh, initially set out with kind of more of a quantitative approach to this? H- how important was qualitative inquiry to to this process and 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 bringing that all about and kind of closing the the, the story with those two chapters?
3: Well. I would say that qualitative and mixed methods were a central component of this from the start in that, and, and I, I think Carrie and Lori talked about this specifically around qualitative in that, look, if we're going to fully acknowledge leadership as this complex phenomenon, then if we only hang out in quantitative methods to get at the complexity, we will have missed at least half of the boat. Uh, And we'll likely sink it, right, if we only built half of it. So having qualitative methods and mixed methods as being part of this was part of the discussion from the beginning. Even though it's those chapters are toward the end, uh, it was certainly a central part of our planning process as a means to say, look, the phenomenon of leadership is complex. What we do in leadership education is complex. And if we only use quantitative methodology, we will have missed half the boat. Uh, But interestingly... (laughs) That chapter on mixed methods. Okay. So I enjoy witty, witty banter. I enjoy witty banter very much. And, and you should, in fact, you should see some of the email threads between uh, Dave and I throughout this process. We enjoyed a lot of back and forth witty banter. So when I was authoring that chapter, I wanted to get a little playful with language and again, to talk methods without turning into a yawn worthy methods textbook. So, I played around with the language in that mixed methods chapter and I sent it to Dave. I'm like, oh, We might, I might get us in a lot of trouble uh, writing a chapter with this much playful language. And so I said, should we send it to Susan and Kathy to see if they'd be okay with it? Yeah, go ahead and send it. And luckily Susan and Kathy were uh, willing to, to play along with the playful language. So luckily getting the thumbs up from them then allowed us, or gave us permission to then go to our chapter authors and say, hey, uh, we'd love for you to experiment with more playful language. In fact, I think uh, Katie McKee in chapter four, uh, you know, she quoted at least a few 80s rock band artists. So uh, we really appreciate the commitment to playful language.
2: The other quick thing that I would add too, look, looking at our our table of contents and a- anyone who looks at our faculty bios, Lindsay's and my faculty bios, knows that we're heavily quantitative orientated uh, in, in terms of what we do how we think about data in the world, how we try to measure things, where where we think in terms of quantities, the two of us naturally. At the same time, if you look at this issue, there's only two chapters that are dedicated to quantitative methodologies. Uh, And one of them is dedicated to the dangers of thinking too quantitatively about things, uh, where we talk about uh, the soft tyranny of statistical significance and how we 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 rely on oh this was statistically significant so therefore we know things uh so there's there's only two chapters on quantitative methodologies and then there's the chapter on teams which is the the connection between quantitative thinking and qualitative thinking we're going to do things on the group level we need to do both of those things uh and then we had an excellent chapter trying to overview some of the vocabulary and concepts that we need to know related to qualitative methodologies beyond just getting a group of students together and calling it a focus group. Uh, and then Lindsay uh, finished us out with uh, not eating the whole whale in uh, of, of mixed methods. It's it's possible. Eat the whole whale. It's possible to do that.
1: The whale title made me laugh and definitely <laughs> got me excited about uh, the learning that was going to happen for sure.
0: Yeah, to continue to ride, ride the whale of qualitative research. So it wouldn't be a good interview if we didn't ask you at the end. Is there anything else that we didn't? ask you about that you want to share with our listeners.
3: Well, drawing back to what Dave was talking about earlier about the the leadership process of editing this volume, I I will say one of my favorite parts about this whole process was being able to team up with Dave. Uh, so I would say for leadership educators who listen to this, I mean first of all, Dave's amazing. So if you get a chance to team up with Dave, please do so. But the but I will also say what I love about the field of leadership education is that it is made up of wonderful leadership educators who are a lot of fun to work with. So this is one of the most exciting collaborative fields to to be part of. So for those of you who are new uh, to leadership education, we would encourage you to come to things like ALE, ILA, LEI, right, I'm missing all the acronyms, I'm sure there are more, Uh, but to be able to engage with other leadership educators and start collaborating because not only uh, is there a lot of fun that can emerge from from those collaborative processes, but a chance to make great friends as well.
1: I'll co-sign and say, it's one of the most research friendly in that every time you go to a conference, someone's like, yeah, let's talk more, let's write about that. And it's, it's everyone from, you know, like Susan Comavez to just, you know, the newer wave of researchers. It definitely feels inclusive in that way. I feel like we all are charged with that. How are we advancing the field either in research and practice for sure? Um, so thank y'all so much for joining us today. We're so grateful. We know that you could have been anywhere this week and you lovingly chose to be with us. I know David, Dave in the back and forth, you talked about this being your bucket list. So I'm so glad that we were able to contribute to knocking something off your bucket list today.
2: I can finally cross it off. I'm (laughs) so happy.
1: (laughs) In all seriousness, we're excited to have you today. We um, respect y'all, you know, work greatly, we wish you the best of luck on your partnerships and projects, especially as you go into the new year. And um, we'll be excited to have y'all back on as future guests in the coming, I guess, seasons
2: of episodes. Thanks for inviting us. Yes, thank you.
0: Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page and find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss. Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at leadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars, as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us.
1: We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management.
0: And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience.
1: And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators the Association of Leadership Educators and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ILA